Cause I've been in tune, out of touch Coming off the bench, trying to shake the funk Check your stat line, see who's up That over, under, hit too clutch And I'm trying to avoid getting carried away With the jet sweep, sleeping on a trick play Predicting all of my moves like AC never replay So I'm running it back, head down, get out of my way And it's for the law with only one thing to do I guess I'll say a prayer and put it all on the line but they don't know Something they haven't seen I find a gap on the screen And hit them right in between Yeah, I got it And I got it Just one thing to say Yeah, but they don't know Something they haven't seen I'm off that mean Joe Green It got me fading In between fantasy football podcast. All right, all right, all right. It is July 11th, 2023. This is the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm back with you as we went inch closer and closer to the NFL season. Rookies report one week from today, and tonight we will discuss the training camp position battles that we need to be monitoring when those doors open one week from today. I'm Seth Wilcock, and tonight I am joined by the newly announced co-host of the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast, Eric Romoff. Eric, you've been promoted from side piece to the main thing. How are you feeling tonight, my friend? Man, got the promotion out of the side piece territory, but I'm still getting plenty of late night you up texts from from Seth. So hopefully that never changes. And I'm I'm doing great. We're less than two months away from the start of NFL football. We are a month and a day away from this cool thing called draft night out. So ton of energy, ton of excitement, right? If you enjoy the vibes on the show, take it from me. They're better in person. So check out draft night out this year and I'm, I'm ready for a fun one tonight. Yeah, we are absolutely loaded tonight, and we are also joined by the face of JWB Fantasy Football. This guy is a fucking weapon on YouTube. He is a fucking weapon. He is sensational. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Skyler, the FF Buffalo. How we doing, Skyler? Good. I I wouldn't like to say I'm the face. I appreciate the rest of it, but (laughs) I'm just here here to have a good time. Uh, Shout out the rest of my team. They're the real heroes, but I'm ready to get into it today. Hey, he's, he's unselfish as well. I, I love it, man. We appreciate having you tonight. We appreciate having the IBT family here as well. Looks like you're bringing a couple of your friends over here. We got Detman in the chat saying Buff is his hero. We appreciate you, Detman. We got Albert. Good evening, IBT. Good evening to you, Albert. Thanks for joining us, man. And then there we got HooveTube commenting on the flow. Buff, that is a nice little flow you got going. How long you been growing that? Um, Let's see. I last cut... Last cut was last May, so we're a little over a year on it. Not too bad. Oh, yeah. If anyone recalls, uh, last February, I cut off 18 inches when the Bills lost to the Kansas City Chiefs because I made okay. uh, a pledge that I would donate the first foot if the Bills did not make it to the Super Bowl. And 17 seconds crushed that one. So, 
Well, hey, maybe it happens again here. Maybe you can lay another little wager down this year, or you'll keep growing it out. Either way, we appreciate your presence here, man. Tonight on the show, headline hijinks. We're going to talk about some of these position battles. And then some would you rather. We're going to talk about some draft specifics and some July themes as well. And then we have a Fantasy Football Expo giveaway. If you guys are subscribed to the channel... Uh, we can give you a code. You can get $20 off your ticket or you can get a free ticket if you just want one of the smaller Fantasy Football Expo packages. Um, but we have a couple of them to give away. So just let us know. Let us know you're subscribed uh, and then just kind of throw your hand up and we'll get that over to you. We'll give you a code to access that. And you might be wondering, why are we talking about the Fantasy Football Expo? Eric alluded to it a little bit earlier as well. We have been plotting. We have been scheming. And we are very proud to announce that we are making our first live draft event known as Draft Night Out happening this summer in Canton, Ohio with the Fantasy Football Expo. We're going to make it big. We're going to make it fun. We're going to have about 12 different divisions or leagues all going at once. You'll then play a season-long compete for prizes in this. Uh, But we have giveaways. We have raffles. There's some really cool stuff that you guys can, if you're subscribed to the channel, you can literally just show up and get involved in a giveaway. Uh, It's going to be super cool. Halftime games, flip cup anyone, some NFL trivia. It's going to be super cool. Buff, you've been to the Fantasy Football Expo. You, This actually where you and I met. Vibes were high. I think it was at karaoke that night when you and I got to talking, man. Uh, what do you think about the Expo? And are you excited to give away, hopefully, uh, some tickets tonight? Yeah. Um, if we talked at karaoke at the Expo, I mean, I maybe remember a couple words. <laughs> at, at that point in the night, that point in the weekend, it is the cap the end of the weekend, the very uh, yes. final drinks. So it's, it's a good time. Uh, anyone who's thinking about coming to the Expo, stop by. Uh, let people know where you're at. It's it's a good time. Not just the, the football events. You know, those are great. But it's, it's those other conversations and the drinks and the, just getting to know people. The, the networking aspect is uh, the best part. Well, and I think that's why we're so excited for Draft Night Out, too. Because I was just down in Philly this last weekend for a live draft. And... Like, the vibes were so high, man. It was so fun to talk some shit to people, you know, making sure you're not getting sniped and just, like, meet some new individuals. Met some really cool new individuals here from Pennsylvania. So it was really cool. And I think that's the type of vibe we're going to bring to Draft Night out here, Eric. So I'm jazzed up about it. How are you feeling uh, about the new addition, my friend? Man, I, I think it's a huge addition, right? I, I mentioned it off the top. If you uh, if you like the vibes here on the show, they are all the better in person, right? So... Uh, definitely excited to hear that DNO is is now under the IBT uh, umbrella, but but also just in general, like I, I think we kind of forgot as we've you know all adopted more of an online uh, uh, drafting approach through yeah. a platform or a provider or whatever it might be as we're all inside over the course of the pandemic. Drafting in person is a blast. Like, it is super fun to get together with all these people. There's an entirely different energy, right? You, you kind of you start to put together, um, you know, uh, little tells on how people are trying yeah. to, you know, yeah. unfold their draft board, right? Like, it's an entirely different game, but it's also just exponentially more fun than, you know, sitting on your couch, scrolling through your phone and, and clicking, clicking and filling up your queue, right? So definitely check out any live draft opportunity that you can. And fortunately... DNO is now a fantastic way for you to do that. 
Yeah, this was my first live draft with like a lot, a bunch of strangers before. Um, I I have done them in the past, but it was always my friends. So kind of meeting the people and like I, I went right up to people and I asked them, "Hey, who are you taking at the beginning of the third round?" And sometimes they'll fucking tell you, and it really helps. Like it really helps you kind of gain your composure, not get on tilt so much because when you're sitting there online, especially in some of these slow drafts, buff like you get sniped and you can get really on tilt. And I've made some bad decisions in some pretty important tournaments and leagues because of that yeah i mean live drafting is always a different thing like the mental battle on it is crazy the, the tilt is real I, i'm excited for it guys so uh come come over to draft night out the link is in the bio if you want to check that out really excited to get involved with everyone this year and just have a good ass time it's a good hang so uh let's go ahead let's kick off the show with a little bit of headline hijinks and talk about some training camp less than a week away <laughs> guys we're going to talk about some different position battles that can really shake out fantasy football drafts these aren't going to be the, the big names at the top of the board but they are guys who could provide some value down the line here and we want to start in dallas uh it's a tight end battle this year for the first time in a while this has been a team that has sneakily provided tight end one value the last three seasons. We originally thought it was Blake Jarwin City uh, that, that was going around early in 2020. He tears that ACL, and it opens up the door for Dalton Schultz to have one of the best fantasy tight end runs, especially when it comes to value at ADP in years. Uh, he's gone, though. He got like a terrible-ass deal as well with the Houston uh, I can't believe he did not get more than that. I think he's a good player. Um, but nonetheless, Jake Ferguson, he takes over this tight end backfield uh, with Luke Shoemaker as well. And it's interesting because when you look at the profiles here, guys, it's Ferguson by a mile. Ferguson had triple the production in college. But Shoemaker actually has the second round draft capital compared to Ferguson's in the 2021 draft. So, Eric, how does this shake out in your home state of Dallas, and what's your headline for this? Yeah, so my my headline for this is four is a crowd for the Cowboys. Uh, I actually saw an interview with all of their tight ends where they lovingly referred, referred to themselves as the four horsemen. So they're <laughs> totally buying into the idea of this um, you know, multi-multi-headed approach in terms of tight end production within Dallas. And it leaves... It's kind of a quagmire for, for fantasy purposes, right? I, I think, like you mentioned, Ferguson is, is probably the one who has the inside track in terms of, you know, his, I mean, certainly his NFL experience, but his on-field playing time, his targets, his, you know, his contribution will be... I like him. I like him more. a lot. It's, it's hard, right? Because, like, he, he, had, he had a couple of games where he popped last year, right? He had 175-ish yards and two touchdowns. Those two touchdowns came in... Um, in a three-week span, right? So it felt like momentum was kind of building for him. And then it just started to, to trickle off. And I I do tend to think that we're going to see these guys, all four of them, right? Um, uh, Ferguson, Henderson, Schoonmaker, uh, even McKeon, get a get a, a, a role to play in, in the rotation, right? So Ferguson is the one that I think will have the most projectable fantasy production. But honestly, I, I feel like unless you're talking like last pick of the draft or maybe a best ball dart they're probably players to avoid overall right wow so this is disappointing for me buff hearing this because i've also i've always been a fan of ferguson honestly 
I, I watch a lot of Big Ten football. Unfortunately, that means I, I watch a lot of Wisconsin Badger football. And he was a weapon <laughs> for them for years. Like, like he was the guy, uh, especially in those tight games that he, they were going to. So do you like Ferguson? Do you like Shoemaker? Or are you with Eric here that it's just a stay away for you here in 2023? Yeah, I think these are more guys to keep your eye on. Just to know that the opportunity is there they should be on your radar but they're not players that you're probably taking a draft pick on you know you're standing leagues with about 15 draft picks one quarterback i don't think you're going to be looking their way this year uh but their priority ads if they flash early you know ferguson i think has the best chance to come out he was struggled to get over 50 percent of snaps last season but he should be well over that every single game this year so we'll see how that works out with the new oc and what his usage is uh, as far as for the rookie, I think Schumacher was surprising where he went in the draft and yes. definitely someone to keep an eye on based on that. When you take a tight end at that position, you have a plan for him. Uh, it's yet to be seen what that will be, but I'm not going out and drafting that early. Uh, rookie tight ends, even in Dallas, haven't necessarily performed. Even, you know, Dalton Schultz took two seasons to really get involved. Blake Jarwin took two seasons to get involved. So I would keep my expectations very low on the, uh, the yeah, players outside a- of outside of uh, your boy there so Ferguson it's a it's a fantastic point right like we we all saw the Kyle Pitts hype from a few years ago and it it sort of skews the reality that tight end is a position that takes some getting used to at the NFL level right so any rookie tight end coming in with an expectation to produce is probably gonna you know uh, under deliver relative to any hype that they're building and for for Shoemaker specifically right like He's much more of a blocking style tight end. Even yes. in that interview that I mentioned, right? Like they were talking about how they're all Big Ten guys, and Shoemaker is talking about how in the Big Ten you have to be able to block, you have to be able to contribute in the running game, you run the ball a lot, right? Like all of his speaking points were about his ability to contribute as a blocker. Yes, he does have the earlier draft capital, but I almost go over to Peyton Hendershot, the undrafted option coming in out of Indiana. Oh, you, don't give you know, me the Hendershot. No, Hendershot. I mean, I'm not about I, I don't think I don't think any of them are really worthy of a roster spot, right? But, like, he's the one that is out there talking about his ability to be a reliable option for Dak Prescott. You know, he's, he's talking about getting into a good rhythm, you know, knowing where he's supposed to be when he's running his routes, right? Like, the, the, the thing that I'm trying to underscore is that with Shoemaker, he's still very much so in that block first mentality. So not only do we have the long ramp up for rookie tight ends, but also I, I don't think Shoemaker is immediately trying to get out there and catch a ton of balls. So, you know, the, 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 the point that was brought up earlier, you know, a, a situation to, to watch, right? If you see anybody's snap share, if you see anybody's target rate or route participation really start to tick up, maybe that's someone you can you know drop a speculative ad on but ultimately and, and, and I, that, I don't think that is what I, draft priorities and that is why i wanted to bring them up tonight guys because i really have a feeling that one of these guys we're going to get some training camp hype from one of them and I, i'm ready if it's ferguson i i want to be early on that train i want to get him on my draft boards um i'm especially talking about in some deeper leagues here you know like like we're talking scott fishbowl earlier before the show that's a league i'm looking for him in and definitely just some of these deeper redraft tight end premiums. I will be looking to take a shot on Dallas tight end, but I feel like I'm on a bit of an island there either way. Um, so let's go ahead. Let's move down to Miami. And this is an offense. I think we have a lot of question marks. 
and it starts really at the, at the running back position. We don't know, is it going to be Devin Cheney early, or does he get the rookie running back treatment where we see a lot of Mostert, we see a lot of Jeff Wilson early in the season. That could be the case. Or does Dalvin Cook come in and just shake up the whole damn thing? And then there's just this whole issue. Is there any fantasy-relevant weapon in the passing game outside of Tyreek Hill, outside of Jalen Waddle? They've been so damn good the last two seasons. Uh, and I just, I mean, what do we have, guys? We've got Chosen Chosen Anderson. we got River Crawcraft. Uh, these are real names. These are real names, I, I assure you. Uh, it's Cedric Wilson, Braxton Berrios. Buff, can you put this Miami offense in a little bit of perspective here? And what's your headline? Yeah, my headline here uh, for this Miami team was uh, the double-faceted tail is no fluke. That is a dolphin pun because they have the two flukes on their tail, and that is referring to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. These are pretty much the only two players in this offense uh, that I think carry a whole lot of value for this upcoming season outside of two attack of Iloa as well, of course. I think this is the perfect situation you want for two talented wide receivers to run the, when they're on the same team. A lot of times you get worried when you have a stud like Tyreek Hill and a younger player like Jalen Waddle about you know how many targets each can get. But when you have the consolidation of targets into two true weapons on the team, a quarterback who more or less stays in the pocket and an aggressive head coach, it's the perfect storm for both to potentially finish as high as wide receiver ones. Uh, we saw it last year, and I expect exactly the same thing again today, or you know, this upcoming season. In the running back room, there might be week to week, the running back position might carry value, but de- but deciding which running back it's going to be week to week outside of yeah. best ball formats is going to be a disaster. I think it's three players here with Devonta Chain, Raheem Mostert, and Jeff Wilson Jr where you just got to keep your eye on. Again, these are players where I think taking one of them at that last couple picks of your draft is yeah. worth the shot to see how week one, week two really shakes out. And past that, it's just a player you're probably going to be picking up on your waiver wires for a spot start. And then, of course, we don't know what's going on with Dalvin Cook, and we're waiting to see where he sits. That is true for a lot of these backfields in the league right now. We're waiting to see where he goes, yes. and then we'll reevaluate. But in Miami, none of these three running backs – uh, carry huge appeal to me. It screams a full committee. Um, you know, at times they can even have two on the field. Yes. Um, they both, both Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert down the stretch were playing about 50% or more of the snaps. And again, that just bodes to this full committee. You don't know which way the touchdown's going to go. Um, you know, like Raheem Mostert could be between the 20s. Jeff Wilson could be the red zone guy, and Devon A. Chain could catch the passes. Like it could be, there could be nothing there for you. Well, and I, I think that was the one interesting part I think we need to pay attention to in training camp here, Eric, is is someone someone going to have a dominant receiving role out of this backfield? Because it can't, like, it's going to be a funnel to those two big wide receivers as we talked about, but someone else has to catch passes in this offense. So there is room, whether that's Dalvin Cook, whether that's a Chene, whoever that is, I think that's where the value could lie here for the Dolphins. Um, if that's the case, Eric, if you're hearing some more receiving work, eventually, hypothetically down the stretch in training camp, would you be more inclined to take a shot on that running back in Miami? Yeah, certainly. Right. Um, you know, with the, uh, with the double faceted tail pun, I mean, uh, across Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, you're looking at two guys that commanded about 55% target share. Right. So, that that type of share across two players is absolutely insane. So those are really the two guys that are going to get 
the you know the vast majority of, of targets but they you know they in terms of their system and their scheme do target running backs out of the backfield fairly readily right so we we, we need to keep an eye on you know who's getting those snaps when they're in hurry up who's getting their snaps when um, you know when they're in passing downs I, I would love for it to be Devon a chain right I mean his He's got 99 percentile um, speed scores, right? Like he's an absolute home run hitter. But the the thing with these rookie running backs is, you know, the the the, the aspect that's going to keep them off the field is whether or not they can pick up pass protection, right? That is always the the story that we're seeing. And as we yeah. see, yep. you know, rookie running backs start to pick up steam down the stretch run, it's because they've gotten more capable in pass pro. You know, Devin Achain did okay at that in in uh, his time at texas a&m but you know five nine hundred eighty eight pounds is going to have a hard time yeah. blocking some nfl caliber pass rushers right so ultimately you know if, if he's able to do it i think he's got the inside track in terms of you know taking on that that pass catching workload also you know while mostert and wilson were handpicked by you know by this coaching staff to not only come to miami but return in the offseason not exactly the picture of availability across those two, right? So, you know, of the three, I like going A-Chain as a very late round kind of upside stash. He's obviously, you know, a bigger priority in best ball because he's the type of player with his with his skill set that can take a handful of touches and make some magic out of it. But trying to guess what week that's going to happen is going to leave you with a headache. Detman saying, I don't want any of those guys outside of Waddle or Hill. And I think that's pretty much summarized pretty well here. Um, any final thoughts, Buff, on this Miami offense before we close it out? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Eric that if you did need one dart here with Devin H. And one thing I will say with rookie running backs is when injuries come about or they finally work their way, and usually the back half of the season, they are players that have the higher odds of breakouts. I just... And, and, of course, Wilson and Mostert have had their fair share of injuries. The two guys can't stay, and that could bode for opportunity. But at the end of the day, with, with A-Chain, I mean, where he went in the draft, 27 BMI. I mean, you're pretty much the only player you've seen have a big hit right there is, like, Jamal Charles. Guys like Christian McCaffrey, Chris Johnson, Spiller, Jameer Gibbs. They're all round one investments. Like, Miami's a great landing spot for Devin H. Probably the one system where I do hold a little bit of hope. But at the end of the day, with his size, his weight, I'm just I'm tempering expectations lower. I think he would have to be one of the only guys left where he ends up getting a little bit of yeah. the goal line work and with the assumption that he actually does come in and take this pass receiving work for him to thrive. And that's that's tough to bet. In college he was such an exciting player and even during the scouting process, it was really, I don't know if there's a team out here that's going to even give him 150 touches. Like, this guy getting 200 opportunities feels a little bit yeah. like a pipe dream. Uh, could play more of that Tariq Cohen role that we saw kind of at the Bears a couple years ago. Um, let's go ahead. Let's move up to New York. And this is, I think, the most interesting position battle, in my opinion, that I'm looking forward to watching. And it's the New York Giants. And this is a, a receiving core that... They did not improve by adding any higher-end talent than what they had. However, it is a lot deeper, I think. And that's something I, I think that brings a little bit of fancy value that there isn't one clear wide receiver. We got Isaiah Hodgins at the X. We got Darius Slayton. He's probably going to be in that flanker position. And then Paris Campbell out of the slot. Then we're going to have Jalen Hyatt, the rookie out of Tennessee. He will be back up to Hodgins in that X role, it's looking like. 
And then Sterling Shepard, we know he can play the slot. He can also play flanker. And then Wando Robinson, he's going to be a mix of, uh, of everything if he does get back healthy coming off the ACL tear. So not expecting anything right away from him. I just don't get the fucking ADP here. This that, like that's the thing with the Giants wide receivers that makes no sense to me, guys. Like Paris Campbell is going before Hodgins, not by a lot, but by three picks. And like, what has Paris Campbell ever done here? One wide receiver four finish last year, six hundred yards. Like people are getting the hype now that oh, could he be using the Debo Samuel role? Do we really think Paris Campbell is set to run that Devo Samuel role, guys? This guy is, you know, thin as a paperclip, I feel like, when it comes down to injuries. Um, So Isaiah Hodgins, to me, just looks like the clear value if he's going to be on the field all the time. He was the wide receiver 13 over the last five weeks of the season. And I think the competition is really going to be between Darius Slayton, who we know who Slayton is. He was a wide receiver, high-end wide receiver for his rookie year and has always kind of been a wide receiver five talented when he gets on the field but he always you know has something holding him back so how do you guys look at this because i think the competition is going to not be between isaiah hodgins and anyone i think he's the clear one to roster instead i'm worried about jalen hyatt could he steal this outside uh flanker role from darius slayton or could slayton play the slot and, and campbell's on the outside looking in buff how do you see it shaking out here yeah, I think right now it's just really impossible to tell. I think there's a lot of players here who could play in multiple spots on this offense. Jalen Hyatt has been talking. He could try to come up, play the flanker role. He could also just be set in the slot here as a bigger player out there. Darius Slayton, he's always been used, even though he is as mediocre as they come. Paris Campbell, albeit hasn't been able to stay healthy, he has flashed the points in his career, You know, both deep and short. Um, if Sterling Shepard is healthy and actually doesn't get cut, I don't know if they're just holding for medical or if he's actually going to be involved again. He's they love thorn. Sterling Shepard. He's they're a so thorn nice to him. in everyone's size. I mean, when he's been out there and healthy, he's actually always just always pulled a healthy target share. Always. Always been a very solid wide receiver. And then I don't even know. They've got Jamison Crowder there as well. Wondell Robinson looked good in his small uses last year. Deciding this wide receiver room is an absolute mess. Now, Bryce I, Ford I Wheaton's have, on that list too. Listen, who, who and, was and he's the most athletic fast. guy there, right? Yeah. But um, with Isaiah Hodgins, the guy, again, this guy just has no speed. His calling card, his catch radius, he's a big guy on the outside. And that's something they were very much missing in this offense last year. And he could be the only guy who has that this, this year on the roster, that capability. So if you do want to use a late dart throw there on Isaiah Hodgins in very deeper leagues, I think past 15 rounds. I'm totally cool that there for Isaiah Hodgins, a player who just didn't get that opportunity in Buffalo. I was really excited when he came out. I liked him at Oregon State. Uh, he's, he's a really nice guy. He is a hard worker. So it's good to see him get his opportunity last year and do well with it. Hopefully that'll land him, if not with the Giants, on several rosters moving forward. But really, the answer to this wide receiver room is not the wide receiver room for me. It's just Darren Waller here. When you look at a team where the highest receiver in ADP is like round seven and it's Darren Waller, that just screams this is the easiest path to 25% of the team targets. You're getting it in the seventh round at a position that is more or less a wasteland, really hard to get outside the top three guys, meaningful production. And Waller just screams like that guy. He seems like the one of this entire group that's going to have real fantasy relevance. I think You're, forgiving. Other- You're a forgiving person to, to want to be back on Waller. No, I feel I- like I, I still hold grudges a little bit. No, I mean, you shouldn't have grudges. When he's been healthy and out there, he's been productive. An injury, you're going to hold an injury against a player, then, uh, you know, we're going to hold 
grudges against half the NFL. Um, I think if you do get some value out of Paris Campbell, what is he doing? Like if, in a lot of people's leagues, they play two wide receivers and one flex. He's never hitting your lineup. Like Isaiah Hodgins, albeit was productive at the end of last season, I love to see, and I did squeeze in a couple of my he was a dog. lineups. He was a in dog. Most people's leagues, you still didn't have the confidence to put him in one of in one of those two wide receivers or the flex spot. I, just for me, in your lineup setting leagues. I just don't see you confidently playing with these guys unless they truly emerge. I think Darren Waller, that's the guy from this offense that I would love a part of. And past that, it's it's Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, baby. Okay. Eric, any final thoughts? Are you taking a shot on any of these Giants pass catchers? Uh you know, I'm alone. I'm alone at the at the altar right now, waiting on Isaiah Hodgins. Will you join me? <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you leave you texting your side pieces. Um, you know, you you say you say pass catchers and word, word choice matters, right? Um, I, I think I think Buff absolutely nailed it. The pass catcher to to roster in New York is Darren Waller, right? Um, if nothing else, don't watch what these organizations say. Watch what they do. They went out and they gave this man a three-year, fifty-one million dollar contract. I I wouldn't be surprised at all if we don't see a wide receiver not only lead the team in targets, but not even come in second, right? I could see a world where it's Darren Waller and Saquon Barkley getting a uh, finishing one, two in targets in this offense. And then you have this, you know, uh, this amalgam of, of wide receivers that are, you know, going to divvy up maybe uh, a third, you know, 40% of the pie, you know, to, to the, the point that you, you both raised Hodgins is really the only one on this roster who can play that role. So his, you know, his time on the field is pretty secure. And if you're looking for, you know, that kind of low floor or high floor, excuse me, um, you know, sort of security blanket option. He's, he's a guy that's going to see a lot of snaps, a decent amount of share. But, you know, ultimately, I, I feel like his upside is going to be limited behind guys like Waller and Saquon. And, you know, yeah. if Paris yeah, Campbell manages to stay healthy, you know, now there's another mouth to feed out there. Right. So I, I think it's really just a matter of, you know, if, if you need floor, if you need someone that's going to get you consistent targets and, you know, contribute to your points, help you avoid a zero week in and week out. I think Hodgins makes a lot of sense there. You know, for me, when I'm drafting guys in the later round, I'm usually swinging for the fences. So I'm, I'm not finding myself with a ton of him, but he's he's going to be on the field. And depending on your format, you know, that that will hold some value. All right. All right. I'm alone at the altar. Long story <laughs> short, I appreciate the analysis, guys. Um, but yeah, th those are some of the bigger ones we should be watching. And then I think we can round it out here. Uh, let's all quickly take a shot at the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver core because this is one that really, I mean, I think this is tough as it comes. We got Kadarius Tony out here uh, just being an absolute asshole to everyone on social media lately, it seems like. And then, uh, of course, we have Sky Moore who, th th you know, he was the promised one. He was the chosen one last season, didn't do too much outside of the uh, touchdown in the Super Bowl. Rashi Rice comes in, second-round draft capital for him. Interesting target. But how do we feel about it, boys? Buff, how do you feel about this uh, this wide receiver core? Is there anyone you're taking a shot on, and what is your headline here? Yeah, I think with the question, what Kansas City wide receiver do you want, my headline would be, it's a trick question, because I don't want any of them. I want Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and then I love some late darts on these running backs. Uh, McKinnon okay. sh sh 
showed a lot of value last season. You know, there's Pacheco's going to be very involved, and Clyde is still on that roster, baby. I think that there yeah. will be value from yeah. that running back room. They were very effective in the red zone, as well as you know, with all the focus going on a player like Travis Kelsey, there will be dump-off opportunities. With this group, I mean, ADP, I mean, Kadarius Tony. 82 round seven i don't want anything to do with that as talented i think he is with the ball in his hand it seems incredibly risky sky Moore, sure pick 138 round 12 that's probably the one of the last players you're taking in your drafts sure see what he does in the first two weeks if it's more of last year cutways i'm cool with that a lot of times at the end of my drafts i'm fine taking players where i'm not gonna have to wait and see the whole season if the first two weeks it's yeah, not yeah. there i can cut move on turn the end of my bench and find a guy who can make a difference and well, if I am going to hold a player, it's going to be a rookie. And Rashi Rice is pick 179, round 15. As much as he wasn't my perfect prospect, and I have my own opinions and rants for dynasty football. In a redraft format, a rookie wide receiver here with Patrick Mahomes, I think it's worth the stash as your very last pick. So Rashi yep. Rice is my long-winded if I have to take a wide receiver because he's absolutely free. He's the last choice of this group. And I'm just going to wait until about midseason and see if he can get a good snap chair and then, you know, rookie wide receivers tend to break out usually in that back half so if you do go that way just know to have patience 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 absolutely so many times over the years i've taken the aj brown and i wasn't patient or i've taken these wide receivers that pop in the back half debo samuel and really that's what you have to be here you have to be patient if you do take a rookie wide receiver uh of course this is your very last pick but even earlier um you're waiting until at least probably week eight to ten. You're waiting. If you draft, if you draft a rookie and you cut them week four, why did you draft the rookie? What did uh, you do it for? Yeah. I see it time and time again, and a lot of times I'll even fade a rookie that's late, especially around fifteen, because I'm like someone's gonna cut him a month into the season to pick up some bum to spot starter, a second quarterback, or a second tight end, and then I'm gonna scoop this guy up when I kind of have my lineup set and I have free roster spots to burn. And I'm gonna pick him up and just wait. That happened. I remember. What was it, rookie year? Um, was it Justin Jefferson who got burned a lot of people? Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at on these rookies. Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf. Yeah. Yep. That that year, those guys, too, all broke out around weeks 8 to 10. The first half, they were not used. A.J. Brown was in that class. And then the back half, they were all wide receiver one and two. So just have patience with these rookies. We got Detman in here saying, the disrespect of the stone hands himself, MVS. And listen, man, MVS has a long hated beef with with me. We, we've we've traded shots to MVS, man. I I love him. He's the vet in that room now. Like that's really what MVS's role. I think he needs to coach up these wide receivers more than anything. I didn't think um, he could have worse hands than Gabe Davis, but MVS is absolutely does. And I just gotta throw out my headline too for this Rigatoni and beef, like. Fuck Kadarius Tony. That guy's a chump. I don't know if you guys saw what he said to that girl. Like, that's mean, dude. Like, he just, like, totally... I don't know what she did. I don't know, like, if she was just talking shit on Twitter. But, like, he DM'd her and was just, like, totally being an asshole. Like, I don't know. I just don't think that goes goes well for someone who wants to be the wide receiver one of the Kansas City Chiefs to have enough time to personally DM random people. So, uh, that's kind of my take on this. Eric, what do you think about... Kadarius Tony, the Rigatonian beef. Like, like, what do you think? What do you think about this whole fucking mess here? Man, I, I, so I missed all that drama, but I mean, not a, not a good look, right? Like, we're, we're, we're deep into the summer. This is where we're starting to see OTAs. We're starting to see mini camps fire up, and this guy's got time to seek out some, some Twitter beef, right? So, like, he also, would, he was on a live, the, not the look he was on a live for, a couple right? weeks ago too, and he was just like. 
it was just crazy, man. He was just getting all crazy, talking shit to Giants fans, like saying "fuck the Giants." So sorry to interrupt you, but like it was just, this guy's going off a little bit on the deep end. I feel like already. He's, yeah, he's I mean, crazy. look, maybe maybe he's got a chip on his shoulder, right? Um, he he basically uh, allegedly faked a bunch of injuries to get his way out of the Giants. So um, you know, obviously not too happy with how that all went down. But I, I guess looking at it more more practically. For, for me, it's it's kind of a process of elimination. Uh, Buff nailed it. You know, taking Kadarius Tony in round seven is a is a nightmare situation. You don't want anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side, you know, with with Rice, the the points that you're raising are, are spot on, right? Like if if you can't commit to waiting for that rookie rookie wide receiver to contribute, don't draft them because it's going to take a while. But I, I think it's actually kind of interesting if you know if you look back to a year ago. The Chiefs drafted a, a rookie a rookie wide receiver with similar capital. You know, he's uh, comparable, if not, you know, arguably better prospect in Sky Moore. And they really didn't start to utilize him until about the last couple weeks of the season and into the playoffs, right? So of the three, I would actually I would err on the side of Sky Moore, right? He's got another wow. offseason under his belt. He saw he saw his participation, you know, continue to walk up game over game especially over the course of the playoffs right you talked about the the touchdown in the super bowl also had a pretty solid game against cincinnati um in in the earlier round so you know they they continued to find more and more ways to get him involved in the offense his his target rate was really solid he had like a 22 percent target rate so basically a, about a quarter of the targets that he was running he was or the routes he was running he was being targeted on he just wasn't on the field all that much and i think that's probably the playbook that we can expect with with rice right so if we're talking about a redraft perspective you know holding someone for 12 14 weeks before they even break 50 percent snap share is is a lot of roster spot to to tie up in a player that might not contribute for you so you know i i think in terms of you know kind of middle to long term rice yeah. is probably the one to own right if we're talking about dynasty but from a redraft perspective, you know, really by process of elimination, Moore is kindly the only option. And he, he's priced reasonably enough to where you can make it happen. Yeah, I, I think bottom line, I, it feels like across the board, we're all out on Kadarius Tony at wide receiver 39 right now, according to Fantasy Pro's best ball ADP. Uh, but Sky Moore, he's coming around that 54 range, so you can take your shot on him there if you want. Uh, or wait just a little bit longer as well and uh, take that shot on Rashi Rice right around wide receiver 68 over there. So it's going to be interesting, guys. I'm excited to to, to talk about this more as the offseason progresses. These are training camp battles we got to continue to follow closely. Um, so let's go ahead. Let's, uh, let's chat quickly. Are there any other wide receiver or running back or quarterback tight end uh, battles here that we think maybe we should be keeping an eye on or that you think maybe people are overblowing because the one question I kept getting at the live draft on Sunday for Scott Fishbowl was people were asking, hey, you took Anthony Richardson in the third. Are you going after Gardner Minshew? I don't think that's one we really need to worry about, to be honest. I, I, I think everything sounds like Anthony Richardson is going to get the start from day one. I think they have to if they want to mold the offense around him. So I'm not worried about that one. Um, are, are there any others, Buff, that, that you're not worried about that maybe other people are freaking out about? 
I think maybe one to keep an eye on, I'll just throw out there off the top of my head, is maybe the Washington quarterback situation here with Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett, and we'll see if it really is Howell's opportunity. It, it seems to be leaning that way, Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't completely rule out Jacoby Brissett. Uh, just, just err a little bit on the side of caution, I suppose, with Sam Howell. It's not get too irresponsible, but with the enemy and those weapons, it is a good opportunity for him. Eric, anything for you? The one that comes to my mind a little bit is the Vikings wide receivers. Uh, Jordan Addison still has to take this wide receiver two role that KJ Osborne has been filling in for all offseason long in these OTA workouts. But of course, we've kind of seen this uh, this song and dance before, uh, a la BC Johnson for Justin Jefferson. So is that that kind of situation? And are there any more you're monitoring? Yeah, so I, I think that's certainly a situation to, to monitor, right? Um, you know, K.J. Osborne has been little more than replacement level in, dude in the saved NFL, the, right? Dude saved someone out of a car, a burning car. K.J. Osborne went in yeah, there. Yeah, but, like, you don't get fantasy points for that, right? So. Well, I'm just saying. He's a dog. Like, K.J. Osborne, yeah. I think, is, like, better than B.C. Johnson was, you know, three or four years ago. So, I, sure. to your point. They play yeah, different like positions, his, though. His, his on-fields... His on uh, productivity, you know, ha- hasn't exactly created a, an impenetrable barrier, right? So, um, you know, not not to mention that Addison, it, you know, profiles as a as a different player. I'll I'll stick with kind of the you know the rookie trend. You know, as as much as I as I love JSN as a prospect, he he's being drafted like he's going to you know completely run Tyler Lockett off the field in this offense this year, and I just I don't think that's the case, right? I, I do think that we see him as we see the Seahawks distribute the ball to three wide receivers more than they have historically with him on the field. But, you know, he's, he's going right around that point where, where Kadarius Tony is. And I just don't know if he's going to have the role that is requisite for that kind of draft capital. Yeah. It's a big question mark. Honestly, I, I, we've never seen this before buff in Seattle with I mean Tyler Lockett's been so steady he, he's been outperforming his ADP for years he was like going wide receiver 40 plus last year ends up being a low end wide receiver one high end wide receiver two and now JSN who like we know who this guy is we we know like this guy I I, I believe in the talent so I think he will be worth the price um, but how, how do you think the Seattle one shakes out buff? Yeah, I think there's room for all three guys to sit somewhere between 16 to like 22% team target share. Um, Tyler Lockett could move back from that high wide receiver two to a back wide receiver two, which would yeah. still be crushing his ADP. Yes, you yes. Know, DK Metcalf can just be a low-end wide receiver two like he's been the last couple of seasons and still be fine. And I think JSN, when you said he goes in that Tony range, that's the reason to take him there. I think the upside on a player as talented as he is versus a player in that range like Kadarius Tony is the exact reason I'm comfortable taking him. When we're in round seven, round eight, yes. I love the shot, especially when I think the back half of the year uh, when this player gets up to speed. I think he's going to be one of the most talented water series in the NFL. And Talent's going to win out. He's going to find a way to get points. Um, you know, a player like Tony, Mike Evans, Jordan Addison, JSN, Jahan Dotson, they all go behind Kadarius Tony and ADP. Sorry to keep bringing up Kadarius Tony. Just another reason to not go there. Uh, I'm cool with I'm cool with JSN. I I like him there. He goes a little higher in FFPC ADP and a couple NFC drafts and the, the higher stake leagues than he does in your ESPN Yahoo yeah. sleeper drafts right now. And uh, typically speaking, I like when I see that when I see a wide receiver a good round ahead in the higher stake drafts. It tells me that. There is some sharp money. There is some potential there. 
Yeah, I'm 100% with you. Like, I love that range of wide receiver, too. I love the Dodsons. I love the JSN, the Pickens, the Gabe Davis. I, I'm very comfortable taking my shots on those guys. And then there's just, like, Kadarius Tony right in the middle. And I feel like I just have a big red X on him. Like, I'm not going anywhere fucking near yet, that price tag. So, I'm so excited to see training camp unfold over the next couple of weeks. Uh, just a week from today, rookies will report, and then most vets are going to report on the week after that. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's round out the show, though, with a game of Would You Rather. Before we get into Would You Rather, just want to shout out the chat. Everyone's saying some really, really cool stuff in the conversation tonight. It's, it's active. So want to thank everyone. If you guys are new to the channel, please, easiest way to support us, hit that subscribe button. And then open up a new tab. Go over to JWB Fantasy Football if you're not subscribed to them. And make sure you're subscribing to Buff and his gang as well. All right, guys, you know the game. It's Would You Rather. We're going to play a little bit of a, of a live draft version uh, to honor Draft Night Out, our new event out there in Canton this year, uh, and mix it in here with some July themes as well. So let's start. Would you rather live draft your favorite league from an illegal underground cards club or at the DMV on a Monday? Let's call it a Monday morning, too. Extra grumpy there. Buff, how do you feel about it, man? Like, I want my, my my live draft to be sacred. I need good vibes around. None of these places feel like good vibes, my friend. I love a good story here. <laughs> I think saying that you had a fantasy football draft at the DMV sounds like the lamest thing ever. Give me the Illegal Underground Cards Club. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to mention that headline, and people are going to have a million questions. We're going to grab a beer and have a good conversation. So I'm going to go with that one. It seems like a lot more interesting of a choice. Eric, the Poe, they could be they could be on your back. They could be on to you. They could break down the door any minute. Are you going to the Underground Cards Club or the DMV for your next Fantasy Live draft, my friend? Yeah, there is not an ounce of happiness inside of any DMV <laughs> anywhere in this country. Um, I, I actually feel plenty at home in an, in an Underground card game. So, um, you know, the idea of, of playing a little cards in between picks is, uh, is not something that um, that, that I would shy away from. And, you know, Buff nailed it. It, it absolutely makes for, for a better story. All right. We got Detman. He's saying he's going down to the underground club as well. All right. I think next time I ever throw the DMV in a question for this game, I got to have a terrible option because everyone hates the fucking, like, I, I don't mean to bash anyone, but like, does it hurt you to smile? Does it hurt you to say thanks? Does it hurt you to say, hey, have a great day? Like, we're about good vibes on this show. And the DMV fucking sucks. Like, it doesn't matter. We are all from, like, very different areas of the country. And I think all of our DMVs are the fucking same. They're the worst. I fucking hate them. I'm sorry. Terrible. Fucking terrible. All right. Let's move ahead. Let's go with the next question here. A little bit of a theme for July. Would you rather watch Oppenheimer? Barbie, Haunted Mansion, or Insidious, Red Door in theaters this month. These are the big headlines at the theaters in the month of July. If you're sweating at home, why not go sweat in a big room with other people and watch a movie? 
what do you think, Eric? How do you feel about these movies? Uh, I know Hooves in the chat. He's saying Barbie movie all day. Yeah, Hoove Hoove will bang the drum for, for <laughs> there Team it Barbie. Is. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Haunted Mansion. Um, I mean yes. this this is like the the epitome of the star-studded Hollywood blockbuster, right? Uh, uh, Jared Leto, Tiffany Haddish, Danny DeVito, Rosario Dawson, Winona Ryder, Hassan Minaj, right? Just like every single every single scene in this movie is jam-packed with A-list celebrities, and also got. Uh, a, a bit of a soft spot for the haunted mansion in my in my heart. We actually took the kids to Disney World two summers ago, and they went bananas for the haunted mansion ride. Like nice. off, went back around, on again. Um, so I've I've got a couple of a uh, couple of creepy kids that like spooky stuff. So we're we're actually going to go see this one, and it'll uh, it'll easily be my choice of the lot. Nice. There we go. Who, was haunted mansion the original? Is that Eddie Murphy? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Eddie Murphy was out there ripping in the original. Well, I think that was a remake, but that was the one that we we came up with. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Buff, how do you feel about it, man? I I have a lot of strong opinions about a lot of these movies, but I've got to hand it off to you. Where are you going here? They all look kind of dope, honestly, other than one of them. <laughs> I mean, I want to shout out the internet uh, for having a really good time with whatever they want to Barbenheimer or Oppen Barbie, or however <laughs> they're going to call it. And the idea of seeing those two back to back and the contrast uh, is sounds incredible. But I do think I'm probably going to go with Insidious. If we're talking in theaters here, uh, I think that'd probably be my choice. I don't watch a, a lot of movies. I'm not like the biggest gotta go movie. I think think getting my attention in one place for two and a half hours is is a struggle. Or Oppenheimer for three plus hours is is a Ooh. real big struggle for me. Um, but yeah, all four of these I might end up seeing. The missus has already told me she's interested in all four of these, so I might end up seeing a little more movies to end the year than uh, than in years prior. Okay, I gotta give a quick story about Insidious. The first time I saw the first one, I was like. 14 in a friend friend's basement with a bunch of us and like i fucking like cried and ran away because that shit scared the hell out of me but i braved it out we watched the rest of it actually saw the second one in theaters saw the second one in theaters scary as shit as well so scary that day i i think i was so like fucked up from that movie just like on the way home i was like hey buddy i need you to pull over we had taco bell earlier that day still can't eat taco bell really honestly thanks to that insidious movie so I am staying clear away from Insidious, the red door. I don't need to close that, you know, close that door. I don't need to go back down that door. Whatever fucking red door this is, I'm not going towards it. We'll back up your Insidious story where I had a very similar one where, like who in the chat, I also laughed at the movie. I thought there were moments that were uh, very entertaining, but I had a group of friends over at my place as well to watch the first Insidious movie. And I, I very much remember two of my friends, before they went to bed, it was at, at my parents' house, they uh, they came up to me before while I was in bed, and they're just looking at me, I'm like, what, what do you want? They're like, hey, will you walk with us, like, to the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember laughing, because they were still spooked. They're like, they're like, oh, it's, they're like, yeah, we're gonna, we're staying away from the dark for a couple of days, and sorry, that memory stuck with me, kind of, you, you mentioning your reaction kind of, kind of brought me back a bit. No, I, I love it, man. I love it. Eric, any final thoughts here on these movies, man? Because uh, Haunted Mansion, I'm about it. I'm about it. I'm be honest. Like, I, I, I didn't love the original, but the trailer looked great for the remake. Yeah, I, I think they did a really good job with it, right? And just 
anytime that you've got like these ensemble casts, it's just it, there. There's so much improvising that happens while they're on set that you know it, it makes for a bunch of really good scenes. So um, you know, it might not be as uh, as critically acclaimed as as Oppenheimer will be when it's all said and done, but I, I think it's probably going to be the most fun of the group, and that's that's what I'm looking for if I'm going to brave the Texas heat to go to a, a movie theater. Danny DeVito, Ryan Gosling, Jamie Lee Curtis, Owen Wilson, Owen Wilson, like wow. Jared Leto. Wow. Like that, that's a pretty, <laughs> that's a <laughs> Dan Levy. That is actually a pretty fucking crazy cast, honestly. So yeah, go check out Haunted Mansion. Stay away from Insidious unless you want to be spewing Taco Bell on the side of a uh, of a 55 in rural Pennsylvania. So uh, all right, let's let's go here. Would you rather have a steal or a reverse card in a live fantasy draft? So taking some inspiration from Uno here, Eric. Where, what do you prefer, the steal or the reverse? I mean, I think the logical choice is probably the reverse card, but we, we talked about the, the tilt being real in a live draft, and that means that the sting of a steal is has <laughs> got to be the, the ace up the sleeve, right? Like, not only do you have the ability to put your opponent on tilt, but when, when you get that one just haymaker of a, of a snipe job, then that player that you were counting on being there, you can now go back in time and add them to your roster um, when I when I saw this on the show sheet, I was actively being sniped for Brees Hall and Scott Fishbowl, oh. and I and I just I made a guttural noise and I prayed that I would be blessed <laughs> with the steel card. It hasn't happened yet. I'll let you know if it does. There you go, Buff. What do you think, man? W- would you reverse it on your teammates, shake up the whole draft, or just fuck over one person? I need to know if how exactly this reverse works because if I'm at like pick. 12 or 11 or 12 right if let's say i'm at 11 and i pick at 11 and then it's 12 13 i pick at 14 then at 15 i use the reverse i get pick 16 and then pick 19 so i get four picks in the first 19 and i think as great as stealing like christian mccaffrey off someone else's team to slap on mine would be and that could end up being the choice i think four in the top 20s pretty exciting i feel like that's a good abuse of that reverse card so i might go that way it seems more fun all right, we, we got Jono saying in the chat, steal. Detman also saying steal, but I don't know, guys. How are you feeling now after Buff just uh, he just threw one down on us? That, like, I think the, the reverse, much more appealing if you're on one of the ends. I think it gives yeah. you much more mm-hmm. of an advantage. Uh, but the steal, that, that would be cool. I, I think someone someday, maybe we'll do it in a, in a draft night out event eventually, but like have some of these like random cards you can draw and kind of do something like that. That'd be really cool. That'd I guess really if I cool. was at pick one as well, and I used it at pick two, I'd get pick one and then pick three and pick five. So I guess I'd get three top five players. <laughs> I yeah. guess if I used it there, that could work it's, as well. It's the log- it's the logical choice for, for the bookends, right? I just, yeah. I, I love, I love the idea of just being able to knife in and pluck someone <laughs> off of a, an opponent's <laughs> roster. Devin saying SFB, I could use a steal. There we go. All right. Last question here, and we'll let you guys go for the night. It is, would you rather draft all rookies or draft seven-plus-year vets in redraft? And we are counting players who are into their seventh year now as well. Uh, Eric asked that question earlier. said, hey, man, that's a great fucking question, whatever you prefer. And he preferred that. So, Eric, what are you doing here? Yeah, for redraft purposes – uh, especially if it's those guys that are heading into the seventh year, it's it's got to be the the vets for me, right? We talked about it earlier. A lot of these rookies are not coming on until the back half of the season, which is fine. 
But if if you're if you're riding a losing streak down that down that stretch run, you might not even make the playoffs for these guys to really hit their stride, right? So, with it being that seventh year, uh, heading into the seventh year, it opened up the door for guys like Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Jones. Um, actually, we were we were chatting offline about just how wild that 2017 class was overall uh, in in terms of running backs, right? Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler, James Conner. Uh, uh, touchdown Lenny right like plenty of running back options and actually less than 10 quarterbacks starting quarterbacks that have been in the year been in the league for uh for for less than for more than seven years excuse me so you know you, you've just got so many more options you're able to field a complete roster of guys that are in the top three or five at their position uh in terms of ADP in terms of projection and you don't have to navigate the first four six eight weeks of the season waiting for a rookie to, to really hit their stride. Buff, your thoughts on this. And if we, if we went over the seven year mark, I feel like that might change some things as well, because yeah. there are guys like Patrick Mahomes in that 2017 draft class and Christian McCaffrey, uh, that, that running back class, as you were pointing out, Eric, it was crazy. So thoughts, thoughts on this scenario here, Buff. I think even if you pushed it out one year past what you're saying, this is this is pretty pretty easily the veterans. I mean, if I gave you two lineups here, Kirk Cousins, Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, Tyler Lockett versus Anthony Richardson, Gibbs, Bijan, JSN, Addison, Kincaid, Quentin Johnston, I think Team A is winning 17 yeah. weeks straight. Um, so that's the way I'm going. But if you pose this question for Dynasty, I think managers would have a much deeper conversation. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we gave you a little fuel to talk about over there at JWB. <laughs> there we go. Well, Jay, we appreciate uh, Skylar, you being here, man. We appreciate everything JWB is doing for this fantasy football community and industry. You guys sponsored about four fifths of, of the entire SFB Podathon. So it was it was a great great program. Eric, you and I were lucky to be on that, um, as well as everyone who put that together. That was a really really cool experience. So. Tell us where we can find you, Skylar, how we can best support you, man, as we approach the 2023 fantasy football season. Yeah, you can find me at the FF Buffalo on Twitter. Follow at JW underscore FF on Twitter to find our entire team. I encourage you to go follow all of them. They are the better Twitter follows and subscribe to JW Fantasy Football on YouTube. And if you are listening and you're not subscribed to In Between Media, do yourself the favor. Go down, like, subscribe while you're here. If you're still with us after an hour, I mean, you guys are legends. So, again. <laughs> Absolutely. Here between all the fuck-ups and everything in between, Eric, uh, how can we best support you, man, outside of in-between media here? Yeah, so all of my work from various outlets rolls up into my personal Twitter, which is at FantasyNav. Uh, like Buff said, you're already here on YouTube. You've already been with us for an hour, so make sure you are subscribed to the In Between Media channel. And while you're there, you can check out some of the work that I do over at Green Screens Media. We are deep in those college basketball streets. So while you're on YouTube, do a little search for Green Screens Media. Get yourself ready for some college basketball. We are talking to coaches. We're talking to beat reporters, getting ready for some conference breakdowns. So ton of stuff going on. It's a huge league covering all 350 plus of these teams and we got you covered over at green screens media i'm glad we got you and the green screens crew out there because there's some fuckery going on in college sports right now boys there's some fuckery going on that's a different program as a whole but either way guys have a great rest of the week uh keep treading out there we're getting closer to fantasy football season we're getting closer to training camp until next week keep it in between (laughs) 